0: Hi, my name is Eric
1: and I'm Shalila and this is Are You Still Watching?, a podcast about movies and their place in our culture.
0: Shalila, how have things been? I feel like we don't ever check up with each other on this podcast. Like, how are you and what's your world of movies looking like in the past since we talked about Corella?
1: Man, I'm pretty good and um, I think the biggest difference between the two of us in the our movie-going adventures right now is probably that I am yet to have my big return to the cinemas. I still haven't gone back to the movie theaters and watched anything since COVID. So I haven't had the taste of the sweet, sweet honey. So I'm obviously still missing it, but I'm still in my nice little hibernation phase where I'm like, one day, one day we'll go back. So I'm not, I'm not quite crying about it. You, however, sounds worse on your end. So please tell us more.
0: Yeah, so we went back for the first time, I think in May after we had both had our vaccines uh, and we were two weeks out and the theaters were only, like you could only wear masks the whole time and they were doing reduced capacity and you had to (laughs) separate yourself out by like three seats. Um, And honestly, that was... That was the best. I don't think we'll ever go back to that paradise. Uh I loved it. I would I would love in non-COVID times for them to require that nobody can sit next to you. That's the freaking dream. Um loved it so much. Uh and we went and saw uh Army of the Dead, which I can't believe was my first movie back, by the way. Uh Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Is that what it's called? Army of the Dead? I think so. That's
1: it. That is the government Um, name, yeah.
0: (laughs) That's its government name, yeah. Uh, And, uh, yeah, we saw that. We ended up seeing, um, uh, uh, God, what was that movie? The Werewolves movie? Uh, The comedy. Um, Oh, crap. I can't remember the name of it now. You would really like it. I don't know how we haven't talked about this yet, by the way.
1: Um, Well, now I really want to know.
0: Werewolves Within. Is that what it's called? Where was it I that?
1: haven't even heard of that. That's not a diss. a. am very disappointed in myself.
0: I I can't believe I haven't brought this out to you. Because this is one of those movies that like... You definitely are going to appreciate it more than I will. I feel like because you know these cast members better oh, than I, I love do. Like, that's just your style of like... It's the Earth. So it has Sam Richardson uh, in the lead. Um... Uh uh Milana Vaintrib is in it. Mm-hmm. Um Glenn Fleischler is in it, Michaela Watkins is in it, Sarah Burns is in it. Like it has a bunch of who I assume are SNL alums and like various like college maybe college humor. I don't know. Michael Chernis is in it. Um just like a bunch of like interesting comedic actors and it was really funny. Like it's definitely one of the better comedies of the year. Um and I don't know if anybody saw it but it was very good so it's also technically a video game adaptation <laughs> which is even funnier uh but uh yeah very good very good so we saw that we saw that um i'm sure i'm forgetting like oh we saw black widow and i think that might be it like black widow was maybe the last thing we saw quiet place too maybe um so not much But, you know, we were trying to get back into it, and I was only choosing showings that didn't have a lot of people and things like that. And then last Friday, unfortunately, things started to develop again here in Chicago. Delta's going crazy again in the U.S. and made the tough call to have to cut it off and head back home. So, unfortunately, no more movies for a while, which is mostly frustrating. I honestly don't know if any movie bothers me as much as The Green Knight. Like, I don't think I would care <laughs> if I could just rent the freaking Green Knight, and I can't. Like, I that it makes me so upset. I can't even describe. Like, I want, I will pay, I will buy the movie, right? I'll buy, I'll pay $30 to buy the movie. <laughs> just give me, I want to watch it, and I can't watch it. <sighs> That's it that's my frustrating rant um but yeah i it's it's well i guess what's going to be interesting maybe this is something we can sort of dive into here is like what the landscape looks like because until like i don't know two weeks ago everything looked pretty good like all the big releases were still on schedule right shang chi's coming out from like disney slate is as chock-full as it's always going to be, right? So Shang-Chi was coming out, Eternals is coming out, uh, and then weirder stuff that was still probably going to be big was coming out, like Clifford, <laughs> like just like big movies, Venom, um, Candyman, like these, these kind of bigger things that have been scheduled for a while. And in just two weeks' time, things have begun to look tenuous. Uh, Clifford was pulled from the Toronto Film Festival and it looks like they're pulling a distribution for this year, which is like one of the first big cancellations. Uh, there's some others that look like they might happen. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, do you want to know my conspiracy? I have a Oh, conspiracy. yes, please. I think the biggest way that you can tell that we might not get a fall movie season again is Spider-Man. Here's my conspiracy. We still have not seen a trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. No trailer. And we're approaching, I think we actually passed it just like two, maybe a week ago. We passed it now as the shortest run up to any Marvel movie ever without a trailer. And until then, I think the lead was far from home because they didn't want to spoil Endgame. So, that one actually has, like, a reason. We don't have a reason for No Way Home. They still haven't dropped a trailer. And that movie, like, Eternal's got one already. You know, everything's gotten one, but not that one. And I don't know if that's Sony or Disney. I don't know who would be the executor of that. But my... I'm using that as the canary in the coal mine of, like... I truly think that is our marker for whether or not things are going to go well is if they drop a trailer, we're good. If they don't do it, it's, we're, we're done. Like, we're, they're not happening. We're losing the fall movie season again. Because why are they not promoting, like, a flagship movie of theirs? That movie's got to be easily twice as large as Shang-Chi or Eternals. It's Spider-Man. We passed it. We passed the marker. Until then, I was like, okay, maybe they're just shortening it. Maybe. But we've officially passed it. I I really think that's what's happening here is they're still trying to figure out how it's going to go. And like, by they, I'm assuming Disney. Uh, and every day, it makes me more think like, hmm, they definitely are seeing numbers that I'm not seeing again. They're like, yeah, we're not doing this. Because <laughs> they just, you know, they don't want to do it. They don't want to spend the marketing again in order to have to pull it. That's my guess.
1: Sony seems to be having a particularly hard time in my theories because they don't have like a streaming platform to turn to. Like they can't be like, whoops, uh, where do we put the movie? There's nowhere else to put it, (laughs) unlike everyone else. You mean they don't
0: want to put it on their streaming service, Crackle, which is a free streaming service that I don't think anyone knows about?
1: Owned by Sony?
0: (laughs) Yeah, Sony has a streaming service. It's called Crackle, and it used to be the only place you could watch Heroes it was like the sole distributor of the United States television show Heroes and it streams in like 480p it is the worst quality I've ever seen it has like ads every three minutes it is it's completely free though I mean that's pretty great but it is. Not a good service. Weeks Um, of like
1: the CW online free streaming. It's like, yeah, you can watch The Flash, but every two minutes you have to learn about a new energy drink.
0: Theoretically you're capable. Yeah. So what you're telling me is they won't want to release that on Crackle.
1: You (laughs) deliver the news about heroes with all the the tenacity of a cry for help of somebody who has searched far and wide for a home
0: to watch This is all personal, personal anecdote. I mean, like, you know, this is firsthand accounts.
1: But yes, I'm deeply worried about Sony. They, they, um, I feel like that the Ghostbusters Afterlife movie has been stuck in limbo for so long. They don't oh, really yeah. know what to do with the Venom sequel. I feel like they're possibly behind this possible delay of Spider Man.
0: I'm telling you, I think it's, I think it's our canary. I really think that's, I think the lack of release is because they are, we're, they're, they're figuring out whether or not it's going to hit theaters. That's my belief uh yeah so yeah. anyway that's the that's the movie scene we should come up with a we've done this enough times at this point we should probably come up with like a like a name like a I this like is the, the movie scene this is the movie scene and then there's like a like a whoosh, whoosh, and that's our transition i'm sound, gonna, I'm gonna
1: sample the sound that you just i think i'll send.
0: do all the foley for our podcast yeah <laughs> Beep. we have no budget should just get into foley work. what is foley named after do you think it was a guy James? Is Foley work called that because there was a person named Foley who did a bunch of sounds? Oh,
1: so, ah, these reproduced sounds named after sound effect artist Jack Foley.
0: Ah, there you go. Man, what a champion. He was just, so once upon a time, there was just a guy standing like 30 feet off of the screen going, nay. And like, he just did all of that. And that, it was one guy's job.
1: And after all of that, his Wikipedia page is five lines long.
0: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Jack Foley didn't do a whole lot. Oh no. Oh well. Well, anyway, uh, that's the that's the movie landscape. That's the movie scene for you. But we're not here to talk about uh, who. How can I segue this? We're not here to talk about uh, joining with a group of people to go do something that will probably lead to your demise. (laughs) We're here to talk about the Suicide Squad. (laughs) Did it got it in one.
1: Oh, that might be your best one so far <laughs> just <laughs> made you, me so you. happy
0: the out loud explanation of it i think is what really <laughs> helped sell it so <laughs> let's talk about the suicide squad so this is uh, the movie we're covering today this is the new uh warner brothers uh dc uh uh production from james gunn and something we'll get into is that this is a Sort of sequel, sort of not sequel, sort of reboot, sort of not of the 2017, I believe, David Ayer movie, Suicide Squad. Uh, 2016, 2017? Um, Yep. So, uh, yes, that is out in theaters right now. If you're in a place in the world in which you can see movies in a way that is safe for you, uh, you can go watch that. Alternatively, if you're only in the United States, apparently, because I forget every week until she reminds me that HBO Max does not exist outside of the United States, uh, you can watch it on HBO Max for free. So that's that.
1: Let's um, um, let's do a quick... Oh, hold on. Alexa, stop.
0: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, when you were turning off your device, whose name rhymes with Beretcha, that's not how rhyming works, um, we should have plugged right then and there that you can ask your... Amazon-owned device in order to play our podcast. And that's a cool thing that you can do. Right? I'm not wrong about that. I didn't make that up. No, you were
1: completely correct. In fact, you can find us on nearly any audio medium, regardless of what smart device you are using to listen to podcasts. So we're everywhere that you and your mother and your aunt and your cat finds podcasts.
0: Yeah, see, that's that's the kind of segue I need to be mastering. Anytime something like that comes up, I need to be right on it, you know? uh i'll get better at it don't worry okay so this movie uh what is uh, let's give a quick synopsis and cast rundown so this movie stars like a million people um i'm literally just going to run down some of the imdb page here uh, i'm not even saying that these are the people that are like literally headlining it this is just who's in it uh michael ricker viola davis of course um joel kinnaman nathan fillion jai courtney uh uh, pete davidson for god knows what reason uh sean gunn margot robbie uh uh, again of course back as harley quinn um uh, uh idris elba john cena uh there's all kinds of people in this sylvester stallone sort of uh which is just fascinating to me uh yeah this movie has a ton of people peter capaldi that was the biggest shock to me in this whole movie
1: Oh, I didn't see that coming one bit.
0: Nope, not even a little. Um, Taika Waititi's in it uh, uh, for like three seconds. Like there's there's a bunch of people in this. Um, yeah, so this is a James Gunn movie. This uh, is about uh, uh, Task Force X, the uh, basically a group of uh, D and I guess C listers uh villains from dc comics oh it's it's like are... f-list <laughs> f-list it's oh that's true actually Some, they went deep on this one yeah uh who are are uh i guess recruited is not really the right word who are sort of leveraged uh into performing black ops off book government black ops missions um in order to reduce their sentences in prison uh and in this particular movie the task force x which is uh, colloquially known as the Suicide Squad, is sent to a uh, nondescript Latin American island in order to uh, secure uh, uh, information and basically uh, uh, kind of uh, 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 just sort of discover some information and and kill some bad guys and do that kind of thing for the American government. Uh, and it follows the exploits of that group of, you know, terrible people. Um, it has the exact same plot as the first one. Like it's the it's the same basic uh iteration, um, which is all good. I mean, I personally I'd never get tired of that, but that is what this movie is about. Um yeah. Also there's a shark.
1: And there is a shark. Yes. We're
0: gonna get more into that. Uh so Shalila, what did you think? What are your what is your spoiler free take?
1: Okay. My spoiler free take is um this movie just shot to number one after I watched it as the movie that's made me officially the angriest that I couldn't see it on a very big screen with all of the experience of a movie theater, which is to say that it's super fun. This movie is super fun. It's so weird and it's so fun. And if you think you know how weird it is and also how fun it is, it's more than you think on both of those scales. It's really weird and it's really fun and it's good. It's really good. It's not a perfect movie, but damn, it's so weird and it's so much fun that it kind of doesn't matter. It's um a very James Gunn, like really maximum James Gunn, I think. And if that means anything to you, then I think that helps explain some of it. If it doesn't, it's just super weird and fun. Um but it's it's good in a character-driven way, which is something that he's good at. Um at no point during this movie will you have any idea what is about to happen <laughs> to a nuts extent. Uh, you will, you can try to make predictions and you will be wrong for two straight hours. And um, yeah, it's super fun. That's my review. And it's I like a solid, solid four stars for me. So I think that's a darn positive review if I've ever delivered one on this podcast. Um, I shall pass the chaos baton over to you now.
0: This is a slight deviation, but uh, Alex yesterday was exposed to your star reviews on Letterboxd because of some movie that i don't know must have been something that she saw and she saw that you watched it she looked at your review and she's like what the hell she i don't even know what it was but she's like she gave it this amount of stars and i was like yeah welcome to welcome to the world of looking at shalila's stars that she gives movies yeah i i think
1: i think it's, it's possibly the most chaos on that
0: website <laughs> absolute chaos i stand by all of it. i love it it literally none of them make any sense to me. And I love it because it's it's sort of like the Souvent Squad. I never know. Like I I always feel like I have a general pace of what people are gonna feel. And then I log on just to see what you've put and I'm always like (laughs) Okay, I don't know how the hell that was a one star movie. And then I watch a movie and I'm like, that's literally the worst movie I've ever seen. And I log on, you're like four and a half stars. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> yeah. understand what's going on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, comes, absolutely everyone. love it. I love that that she's been exposed to that now. So um, that being said, I don't think we disagree here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. It is it is incredibly fun. Um, I definitely think this is a movie that you should see in theaters if you can um it's it was it was shot entirely on IMAX cameras and it has a really uh tall aspect ratio it's it's not a normal uh, aspect ratio and what that really you know what that means is like a lot of the action in this movie is vertical and i can only imagine that being on a very tall screen is going to accent that um because you can literally look up as things tower over you, that kind of thing. So um, I would really encourage that. It's its a lot of fun. I am not... Hmm, what's my free way of saying this? Uh, there's lots of people in my life who are very averse to movies that feature violence. Um, I don't share that particular uh, proclivity, but I know that is a thing. Um, I cannot further recommend this movie away from you then. <laughs> like I cannot like more say don't watch this movie if you're someone who just doesn't enjoy violence um holy crap <laughs> is it like it it gives things like john wick a run for their money of like wow this is uh something else um yeah that's that's really it like i i have foibles and we'll get into those but like big picture it's just a lot of fun and I really like what you said about it being character driven I think it's really true like it really comes down to the power of the individual performances and like their chemistry together and even if at times the story and the plot are not always the top of what they could be or whatever um I just never got tired of the feeling of what was happening on screen and I think that's really important um so yeah that's that's where I would go. Uh, again, I cannot say this enough. If you don't like violence, don't watch this movie. Uh, try it's the Paddington top
1: of the R rating scale. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe it... go for a nice marmalade-driven movie instead.
0: Yeah, a nice marmalade-driven movie. How many marmalades does this movie have? That's directly correlated to the level of the violence. The
1: marmalade scale. Yeah, aka common like sense that. media.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I should. Also it really stress, is the top. It um, uses the rated R rating completely
1: (laughs) to the max um another quick thing that you should know if you don't know anything about this movie but are wondering if you should go see it uh, we'll dive into this in detail if you're curious you might know the movie called suicide squad from 2016 which you might remember involves jared leto's the joker and a few other characters and kind of sounds like it was just this movie um it's not a sequel it's not a retelling. It's just a complete do-over.
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's a good thing. We're going to dive into that more, I think, in the spoiler section. But I do think that's a good thing to nominate now is like, I understand that's confusing. <laughs> it's not your fault. Um, they are very different. Uh, and I don't, I'm not even, I'm not placing value judgment on the original one. Um, much to the chagrin of most of my friends, I actually quite enjoy the 2017 Suicide Squad movie. Uh, 2016, thank you. Uh, boy, have I seen that movie a lot. It's a it's a bi yearly rewatch for me, uh, which is to say twice it a year. to me the most <laughs>
1: baffling decision that you continue. to <laughs> I take know I watch bit. it
0: kind of a lot. It's a big background movie for me. Like anytime I'm like packing, anytime I've moved, I've always put it on behind me. Like I, it's I don't know what it is. It just. It tickles my particular fancy. But um, Mm -hmm. all that to say, I'm not putting a value judgment on this. It's just to say, like, they are very different. So if you did not watch that movie, it does not mean – or I'm sorry, if you watched it and you didn't like that movie, that has nothing to do with this one, really. Um, More importantly, uh, it's just good in its own right. So, uh, yeah, give it a shot if you're looking for fun. So
1: the FAQ is if you didn't watch that movie, does it matter for this one? No, you should watch it anyway. If you yeah, watched that movie point. and didn't like it, doesn't matter. For this movie, you should watch it anyway. If you watched that movie and liked it or loved it, doesn't matter. You should still watch this movie.
0: Yeah, there's a Matrix. Yeah, the, there's there's two options for each, and the fourth option <laughs> is only about if you don't like <laughs> violence. Every yeah. other one yeah. clues in to watch it. <laughs> it's the only <laughs> one. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's I think that's the that's the end of our spoiler-free section. So. If you don't want this spoiled for you, go watch it now. Uh, uh, come back. We'll give you 10 seconds. That's my favorite podcast bit that everyone does. Um, and, uh, and yeah. So, let's jump into the spoiler-filled section of the Suicide Squad. Um, maybe we should just start there. I don't know why. That's just what's pulling my attention. So, I apologize for taking the wheel of this bus and careening it off a cliff. Um why is this movie called The Suicide Squad? <laughs> That's one of the dumber decisions this movie made.
1: It's one of the worst ones. I'm, I'm actually kind of just... mad that the first one wasn't called... Okay, first of all, don't <sighs> make the movies the same. But if you were going to do this, the first one should have been The Suicide Squad. And then this one would be Suicide Squad. And then we could all make the social network joke, which is like, drop the duh. It's cleaner. But now we can't even make that joke. And you, you threw your marketing out of the window by confusing everybody. So what was this in service of? Why is it the same name, but kind of not? Yeah,
0: that decision really baffles me. Like, I guess what's confusing to me is it suggests that the name Suicide Squad is really, like, it has a brand value. And I don't think that's true. Like, to the average population, I just don't think that's true. Um. I might be wrong, but, like, I know it's not one of their, you know what I mean? It's not, like, one of their flagship It's not, like,
1: renaming Spider-Man. Like, nobody knows. Right,
0: right, right, right. So, if you had called it Task Force X, I'm not sure that anybody would have been, like, what's that? You know what I mean? Anything. Like, you could have even just kept with the, like, if you wanted to really go off of the, the value of, like, Birds of Prey, you could have stuck with, like, Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad. Even that would have been, like, a little more of a differentiation, but adding a single article is just not... I don't get it. I really don't. It's too soon. I, I, I can't imagine this isn't confusing for, like, regular people who are not weirdly obsessive. I, I really... I cannot imagine having to, like, Google it and being like, wait, what? Like, and then having to then make the decision of, is this a sequel or is it a reboot? And the answer is it doesn't really matter, but that's not a good answer for like the general public. Like, I don't know. I, I, I guess what it really goes back to is that question that you and I brought up a lot of like, how much should people actually pay attention? Like, do they really care? I don't know. But what I'm going off of more is not like whether they care about it being a sequel or a reboot or continuity. Cause I think all of that time and time again, we've basically proved doesn't matter. People don't care. Like the time between amazing Spider-Man two and Tom Holland's Spider-Man was almost nothing. That, that movie was in production while the other Spider-Man franchise was dying. Like, they they <laughs> people don't care about continuity. It's not important to the general population. But what is important is search engine optimization. <laughs> like, I don't, and I can't imagine that naming it The Suicide Squad and Suicide Squad is helpful. I just can't see a world in which that was, like, a good move. I don't get it. <laughs> My frustration is more because I really liked it like that's the, the the source of my frustration of almost everything in this movie is that I liked it so that the things that were frustrating I was like what you oh come on like we could have got we could have we could have gone from good to great you know
1: I'm I'm upset about it it's just not it's not different enough to be to, for them to have put in effort but it is slightly different which made me think there was a conversation at some point in a boardroom that was like man it can't be word for word the same but the word that they added was the It it, it just
0: infuriates me. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, I don't understand. Um, It's like, they could have gone with, again, Task Force X is right there on the table. You could have also gone with, like, another DC team of Black Ops operatives that are all kind of assholes, because that's the whole thing. And you could have called it the Secret Six, which is another team. It has, I can't imagine having any more brand recognition than anything else. So like again I I they, they just have a they have what 80 years almost of IP of probably endless numbers of stupid black ops groups that aren't real in order to just trash and like you you know use and repeat uh and instead they chose the <laughs> I don't know baffling um let's move to something more positive um this movie has the strangest set of characters in the superhero fran- like like genre that I've ever seen. Uh it really makes Guardians of the Galaxy look tame. Like it yeah. really reinforces the It makes to Guardians look like we've a Spider-Man
1: reboot.
0: Yeah, it just re- like I it's really funny to think that at the time that was such a weird thing where everyone was like wait, they're putting a raccoon in a movie. That's so weird. And that compared to what we just watched is oh my god, is that tame? Like uh you know, l- l- let's go down some of them. So in the, the first, uh, whatever, the first iteration, I guess, if you want to call it that, that we see, um, we see like the larger Suicide Squad, which is split into two groups. And one of those groups is filled with a bunch of people who die immediately, which I feel like I should have guessed. <laughs> it was only the presence of margot robbie that made me think like man are there a bunch of characters in this movie but the fact that it was like a bunch of characters and i'm like there's no ap davidson's in this movie for that long right like i should have guessed that <laughs> but in the original group we have uh nathan fillion as td as tdk whose name was what it was
1: the detachable kid
0: the detachable kid thank you that's what it is uh which i think is there's like another character i don't know if it's the same character but there's a character in dc called arm fall off boy and i don't i think it's the same character i think they got renamed but like his entire power is that his arms pop off like an action figure and then he can just like float them around like that's that's the power um that's super weird captain boomerang is back who was already baffling, and like I like that they kept that level of strangeness because it just is like there's it's very weird to have this guy who's obsessed with boomerangs. It's just like a strange quality. Um, javelin played by Flula Borg, who's German. He, I guess is, that's his power is that German. he's German. Yes, <laughs> like he doesn't have a power. He just has a he just has a javelin. You never he's see his him. His power is that he's
1: super German. <laughs>
0: He doesn't do anything with it. Um uh, Mongol uh who Mongal rather who is orange. I don't know what her power is either. She just was orange and I guess strong, that'd be my guess. Um Blackguard who I don't again, I don't think he has a power that we see, right? He's just Pete Davidson.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, he's Pete Davidson. Uh
0: and then of course, like most importantly, uh, is uh, 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 Weasel, who I love that they put him in this, because this definitely feels like James Gunn poking at himself and Marvel, right? Did you get that kind of a lot of this movie?
1: 100%. Yeah. Yes.
0: And not like he, you know, he's back with Marvel now. Like, I don't think they have bad blood, because it wasn't even, if I remember right, that wasn't Marvel's decision to begin with, it was Disney. So I don't think they have bad blood, but it does feel like he's sort of poking fun at them and himself of like well i put a raccoon in my marvel one so i'll put the world's dirtiest creepiest looking like not cgi awful weasel in this movie <laughs> it's just this like 4 foot tall drowned rat looking thing that just sits there so
1: hideous it is so i don't i don't want to get awful. on this podcast and whine but the whole movie i was like i can't look directly at this creature
0: it wasn't in the whole. It movie, really is upsetting.
1: <laughs> for ten minutes, and then like one second at the end. But God damn, it's difficult to look at.
0: Yep, and like not not exaggerating, like that none of what you were saying is facetious. Like it's honestly hard to look at. It's so upsetting, like in ways that I think might be psychological, and I don't know what they are. You like know, there's not, something about it that makes you just kind of averse. You're like, what? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you just you know, yeah, inner creepy crawlies and outer creepy crawlies difficult to watch
0: so that's that's the first group uh and then of course harley quinn is with them and um uh uh, joel kinnaman back as rick flag um you know they're 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 in it as well and then the second group sort of um if you want to think of it that way uh, uh is uh idris elba As Bloodsport, uh, who is a guy who shoots really well. Peacemaker, who is John Cena, who is a guy who shoots really well. Uh, Rat Catcher 2, uh, played by a relatively new actor, at least in the scope of American Hollywood uh, uh, film. um, Daniela Melchior, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, Who is a, a, she can control rats with uh, one of those toys from Dave and Buster's where you press the button and it spins the globe around. If you ever went to the circus and got one of those. It's a K-pop light stick. Oh, okay. That's probably a much more relevant answer. (laughs) That's a a much more relevant... Yeah, that's a much more relevant comparison uh, than my references to 1990s uh, circus. Um, She can control rats. Uh, uh, David Desmalkian, who plays Polka Dot Man, who is a guy infected with polka dots and then he can shoot them at stuff and they dissolve. Um, and then finally, King Shark, uh, who is obviously the Groot joke of this movie, um, who is voiced by Sylvester Stallone um, and I believe is mo-capped by uh, uh, Steve Aggie, a G, I don't know how to say his name, but but he's a, a big comedic actor. Um, he was a new girl. And he's in this movie. He's he's on the team with, with Amanda Waller, but I believe he was the mocap for it. So, uh, anyway, King Shark, who is uh, delightful. I love King Shark. I don't know how well known he is by people, but he is a shark man, I guess. Yeah. He's like a shark with legs and with no tail who walks shark around centaur. and talks and stuff. Yeah, a <laughs> shark centaur. Perfect. Shark <laughs> uh yeah that's that's king shark uh so all that to say if anything we just said you were like that can't be real yeah that's the point like that's exactly correct you have identified one of the sticks of this movie um
1: and we haven't even gotten to the massive starfish or peter capaldi
0: oh my god so much yeah 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 so That's the weird cast. That's one of my favorite parts is that they went weird with it and they stuck weird. And I like that. I like going weird. Um, That's obviously what James Gunn likes doing. Um, And it worked for the most part, I think. I I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the cast. Uh, And they have to go – they have to go – Uh, 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 assassinate a general i guess is sort of what their first job is um and rescue rick flag who's back from the original uh i guess we can talk about that right there's only four people back from the original movie right there's uh viola davis back as amanda waller rick flag harley quinn wait three Oh, no, four. Captain Boomerang. Captain Boomerang. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. All those people die almost instantly, by the way. <laughs> Everyone I said in the first group, they die within the first 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> They're just gone. Um, which I thought was a funny way to also, like, kind of get rid of the old class of people where, like, I like Captain Boomerang a lot, but they're not going to keep him around. Like, they they clearly want to cut ties to the David Ayer movie, so
1: they killed It was a really fun opening in general, I thought. I mean, it's not, it's like, you know, one of the older tricks in the book, but it's one of those, like, when it's done well, no matter how many times you do it, you're like, oh man, that was a good one. You really got me there. Yep. Or at least they definitely got me. I mean, you know, I think they got you too a little bit where it's like, you know, in the back of your head, I guess, that everyone wasn't going to make it, but you're kind of like, oh, right, 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 right. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's how you're going to do it. And yeah, I think, I think it was definitely like a a fun little on the nose statement, symbolically killing off the first one, which is fun. Yeah,
0: I liked that. Uh, I also, I'm sure we'll get more into her, but uh, 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 Viola Davis, I mean, what else needs to be said about Viola Davis? Obviously, I'm not going to say anything novel here, but I mostly watch her in roles that feel like they deserve Viola Davis. You know, yes. like she, uh, we mostly focus on the roles that are like the reason that she is the name that she is. Like she is a powerhouse and is is easily, easily one of the top 10 actors working today. Uh, and it is so weird to see her as Amanda Waller in these like not. Like, they're just, you know, these aren't the godfather of movies. Like, and that's not their point. They're meant to be. The first one was very, very stupid and fun, in my opinion. This one is actually fun and a little bit stupid. Um, and both of them, she just chews the hell out of this character. She's so good as Amanda Waller. I love her in this role. I think she's honestly one of the top, like, superhero genre uh, performances, possibly ever yeah like she it feels a lot like like uh uh ian mckellen is magneto to me like the yes. level of like devotion to the seriousness of it and she treats it like it is like this is the this is it like this character is just as worthy as everything else and she's going to be the worst most villainous person you can imagine without almost ever moving from the scene she's in and oh my god she's so good
1: i i I have had, that's the exact thought that's been zooming around in my head the entire time. We don't deserve her in this, frankly. Uh, Mm -hmm. She fully understood the assignment both times. If anything, she committed to it even more this time. And she is so darn incredible. It's that thing. remember, Remember the thing we were talking about in our Oscars either preview or rundown where we were like, she gets nominated for Oscars and roles where in the movie, her the amount of screen time she has is really low compared to the fact that she's like a lead actor yeah. no- nomination. It's one of yep, those yep. things where you're like, oh, you totally understand why her screen time might be like seven and a half minutes, but she's like what glues the movie together. And yeah. my sort of, maybe my first pitch for a game we should have done, which honestly, it's fine. I think it's just, um, we can just sit in admiration of Viola Davis in silence and it would be as fun as the game, was like, what do you think they had to tell her in the boardroom to convince her to come back to this and give it her all again? Because I just want to say thank you to whoever did that job. Like, I, I cannot imagine being her and saying yes. Like, of the four people who returned, I get why uh, Margot Robbie's back. I get it. Yeah. It's, it's different for her. It's so different. She has for her sure. own thing going in this franchise and in this universe. DC's uh, kind of
0: giving her some keys.
1: Exactly. So I get it. Yeah. Um, And she's, she's always the strongest part of the script character-wise. So I get it. Um, I get the other two. They're minor, relatively. Slash, they're done well. And you see why they're back. Her, though, like, thank you. That's it. Just thank you. I have no... No,
0: I completely agree. It really... Like, I don't know anything about it, but I wonder if she was on contract. Because I... I I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know how they got her back. I don't know how she did the first one, let alone why she chose to come back for this one. I don't know any of it. Um, Hell, she was even in a... She's in the end credit of, of... justice league or batman superman one of them uh, no it's the end credit of batman versus superman i think when she shows up and she's like superman's gone and she talks to the guy from the government and she's like oh superman's gone you're gonna need somebody to come in and when that happens you're gonna want to call me uh and you 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 see her hand him the card or whatever it says amanda waller and like even that was such a cool just Oh man, I loved it. I, I don't know. She's so good. Um, there's this scene in this one where she, when they're challenging her toward the end, and she's going to like press the buttons, and she's like, not only is she like screaming curse words, but she also has like spittle flying from her mouth. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. She's like she's like frothing, like literally. You see, Viola is like losing it. Like drool is coming like, out it's of like, her it's mouth. Like a she's so level incensed. Happens. Yeah. Oh my god, it's great. And that's it just doesn't there's no reason for it. Like she could have dialed it back 5 steps and it would have been just as fine and uh oh, yeah, she's such a big part of these movies, I think. Um I love it. Uh yeah, I you know, and she also I think part of what makes her role work and part of what this movie understood a lot better than the other one, I think, is like the 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 villain of this movie has to be the government. Like, she has to be the villain. It, it, it can't, you know, there can be the antagonist of the movie. There can be, like, the thing you're trying to get rid of. But this movie really understands, and I think she understands, that she is the villain. A- and you, it ha- she has to be detestable. And I love that she leans into that. I think they do such a good job of it. 100%. So good. So that's something we loved about it, clearly. Uh, I don't know. What else you got? What else What else stood out to you? What else did you really love about this?
1: I really liked um, just the the character work. I thought that... So I think in, in Marvel movies, I think that there are plenty funny Marvel movies. Uh, they're funny. Uh, this movie is also very funny. Uh, but sometimes in Marvel movies, there's that thing where... It's not so much that the characters all have their own sense of humor. It's more that the movie has a sense of humor and all the characters are just like single celled organisms that are extensions of Joss Whedon's page of jokes, you know, where they all just make the same kind of jokes. And you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. It's funny. And it is funny.
0: Yep. Like, you
1: know, um, I really liked that in this movie, even beyond the humor and all other things that make a character a character, I really did feel like you have the possibly the longest cast list I've seen in a while. Uh, some more known than others, just a whole bunch of names, super weird. Some are CGI, some aren't, but they're all just very distinct. And considering that each person can only get so much screen time in such a crazy movie, I didn't feel for a second really that I was like, man, I don't really know that person. Like, of course I don't. This is the first and sometimes only time I'm seeing these people. But that considered, every character had their own sense of humor, their own personality, their own decently explained backstory, their own sort of empathy, their own, you know, world. And there were times when, like, say, two solemn characters, like, say, Rick Flagg and the rat catcher lady who is, you know, a pretty serious person, and that's the humor. But if the two of them only are having a conversation, you're in a whole different movie. Like you're in a solemn kind of like episode of The Walking Dead. Mm, and then you switch to a yeah. different character and you're in a completely different movie. And then for 15 minutes, you're in a Birds of Prey movie. And each character is really, really a character. And I've just really missed that. Ooh, I, I enjoyed like that. that.
0: I like that a lot. Yeah, that's actually a great way to explain that. I like, uh, actually, I'm glad you brought up The Walking Dead. I hadn't really caught on to that, but there's a lot of movies that did feel like The Walking Dead. You're You're exactly right on that. I hadn't really thought about that. I guess that also vibes with the whole theme of the movie though, right? Like in other words, the whole, the whole shtick of the walking dead at this point, like even if you haven't watched it, I feel like it's been on, it's been a cultural touchstone for uh, 10 years now, almost 11 years. So I feel like at this point, if you haven't understood that the walking dead refers to the people, I don't know what you're doing, but the whole point of that, (laughs) the whole point of the series is that the walking dead refers to the humans and not the zombies. And I feel like that's, a very appropriate correlation to make with this movie of like, again, the whole idea of this movie is the, the, the villainy is the people sending them on the mission, not the targets of the mission ever, right? Like the, the villains are not the suicide squad. The villains are the people directing them. So, uh, that feels like a very apt comparison. Now Um, that I think
1: about it, the words, the suicide squad are just a synonym for the walking dead.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it is, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Good call. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really like that you point that out, though. It does feel like it is a different movie a lot of the times, but not in a bad way. Like, yeah. not in a way that, like, syncs up. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in the way of, like, uh, something that stands out to me, for example, is, like, um, uh, 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 King Shark is... Most of the time, he's just there, his comedic background, etc. But there's this one sequence in particular, which he's by himself in front of an aquarium... That feels like it's just a totally different movie. Like it's just like a it's like a completely different sequence. It's just in the middle of it all and and it's really enjoyable, but it doesn't I'm not saying it detracts at all, but it does feel different. It's like a Pixar it's kind of short in the middle of the movie. <laughs> childish. Yeah, yeah. And what I think I like about that is what you just clued into of like the change in tone is not disruptive. It supports the difference in character personalities. It's a way to build character because that childish display that you see. Really helps you understand who this giant bipedal shark is, without having to have exposition, and I think that's really important because most of the time these movies would over exposition, and this movie mostly doesn't. There's a couple instances that I think actually work pretty well. Um, the the one I'm thinking of in particular is when her and uh, when Ratcatcher two and um, uh, uh, Bloodsport are on the bus together, and they're like talking, and she expositions her whole backstory with her dad. Uh, played by Taika Waititi. Oh yeah, that would be one of those things that normally you'd be like, yeah, okay, exposition. I actually think it kind of worked. I don't know if you agree, but the the vibe I got from that is it felt like the school trip, like going to camp. Like they're all kind of on the buzz. They're all like chilling out before the next thing they have to go to. Some of them are sleeping. She's kind of like pressed against the window. And the scene kind of feels like that, it, it feels like a teen movie almost, where it's the scene where the characters don't have anything else to do, so they just kind of have to talk to each other. Not in a, like, a bad script way, but in like a also in real life. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you can either sit in silence on your way to camp for the school trip, or you can talk to each other a little bit. And through the course of talking to each other, you end up kind of revealing more than you want to, because... They're a stranger, or you've recently been through something together, or it's summertime. You know what I mean? Like, that was the vibe I got from that scene, and I really, that's why I didn't mind the exposition. It made sense to me.
1: No, I love that you put it that way. I think it was a great way of breaking up the action as well, because otherwise, if you're just going to cut the journey, you could do that, but then you just go from action scene to action scene, right?
0: Oh, and there's so much action in this movie, and not in a bad way. I'm going to name that as one of the other things I really love about this movie, is the action is really well done. Like, it has been so long since I've seen, especially a, a a superhero film that actually has action I enjoy watching because it's, most of the time it is just not, I don't know, I don't favor them really. I, I don't think they're cut very well. Um, and in this one, a lot of it is actually there. Like, it's hard hitting. It's kinetic. It's... It, it, you can tell the actors are actually doing it, or even if it's the stunt people, they stay on them. So the things that hit look like they hit. Things look choreographed, and, and, and I love that. Um, it's it's such a—I uh, think we actually talked about this when we did Black Widow. Um, uh, we talked about how that, that one pivotal fight scene between Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson also felt like that. Because that is true. Like, they train together for weeks so that that fight scene actually feels like something that is organic. And, and the same kind of thing here. You can really feel that. So, mm. love that. Tied to that, this movie has some of the better virtual effects I've seen in a blockbuster film in a long time.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Things actually look real and not in, like, a way where they're trying to make it look overly real so it ends up looking fake. Like, they just are right like they don't look cheap they don't look computer like you know they're computer generated but they kind of don't look like it I don't know also just like they look like they're evoking models or whatever like what you would want to substitute in in an older time period I loved it I like the giant starfish actually looks pretty good like it looks better than Ultron did I don't know how else to describe it it's just like <laughs> I can't believe that the whole time I'm watching it I'm like god King Shark looks really good Like, it's hard to tell it's not a suit. And I get why they don't do that. It would be much harder to shoot with the suit. So they CGI it, but not in a bad, like, it doesn't look fake. It doesn't look, it's not upsetting to the eye. It doesn't pull focus away. Explosions look real. Like, all of these things that for the longest time now have looked so fake actually look real.
1: I completely agree. I think everything in the movie looked exactly as real as you would expect it to. Which is to say Mm -hmm, that, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. King Shark looks pretty real, like maybe 80, because if you saw a half shark, half man, (laughs) you would question it to at least a 20 percent degree. Right. So it looks about exactly like not to say that the effects are 80 percent of where they should be. It's just that that's the level of realism they went for. Then things like. Harley Quinn has this beautiful action scene where it's like flowers exploding behind her. And those look like literally like copy pasted from a 1900s Disney movie, which is to say they don't look real at all. They look like you're in a fantasy, which is the point. So that was a different kind of realism. The starfish looks real. Like 100% if I looked out the window right now and it was there, it would look like it did in the movie. So they hit the realism points perfectly too. It's not like everything in the movie looked the same level of realistic. Like they knew what they were going for, and it's super, super well done.
0: Yeah, I like that. I I, I like the way you sort of frame that of like level the level of realism you need. I guess I like that a lot because I think that's like the 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 yeah. As a as a, I don't want to compare these movies too much, but. It's sort of inescapable. I'm not the one who gave it an article difference. Uh, in the first, sort of, the Suicide Squad movie, one of the most, to me, one of the most upsetting parts of that whole movie is like, I can't stand to look at any of the the enemies. Like, they don't look good. The actual villain, the uh, 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 Enchantress's brother or whatever, um, looks terrible. Like, it's just like a big CGI mess. Like, it, uh, you know, the way that I always describe it to people who, you know, varying levels of experience with this, obviously, but like, he looks like a video game cutscene villain. <laughs> and that is like a very specific look. And if I say that, a lot of people will know what I'm talking about, especially if you've played like Japanese RPGs. They look like JRPG villains. Like they just, they they do. And that's a fine thing in that medium. <laughs> like you don't, you're not <laughs> expecting anything more than that. That's, that fits the tone. But it's very disruptive when you're in a movie that doesn't otherwise carry that tone and you're looking at something that is over-designed and they're always, like, smoky. And I don't know why that is. <laughs> they're always, like, they always have smoke coming out of the... Yes! Original Steppenwolf. Exactly. Steppenwolf from Joss Whedon's Justice League. Exactly. They always look kind of the same. They always look kind of weirdly smoky. They always look kind of... I don't... I, just over-designed. And I cannot believe that a... Whatever. Five hundred foot tall starfish from space looked good. Like good, good. Like it looked real. Like and I think so much of that is because they actually designed it for like the aesthetic of the movie they're in. And they made it they made it look tactile and they didn't over design it. And I really think that's everything. Yeah. This movie has has very sparse design, and I really God, I hope movies get back to that. I, I just... It is... The, the only time I've seen over-design work, in my humblest of opinions, in this genre, is with Iron Man. It makes sense. Like, every single movie, his suit gets more complex, and once they stopped doing any physical suits and they started CGIing it completely, it became very complex, right? Toward the very end, in which it was literally nanobots that are swarming around and making his suit and whatever, there's all these things popping out of it. That makes sense like it should look like that it should look complex your eye should be almost overwhelmed by how much stuff is on it because that's his whole shtick but the like most of the time that does not need to be the case and i love that this movie didn't do that everyone's costumes are very simple they have like three key design elements in each one and they stick to it the the giant starfish has two three major color schemes and one major tactile difference, which is that it has these like bumpies all over its body. And they stick with it. They don't do anything else. Not really. Like, Dude, really, it was great.
1: Yeah, it's really good. It's and then like everyone a, else is like, just a human. Yeah. Like, if, you know, if a kid drew, like a kid who, you know, a kid who's really good at art and spends like the seventh grade not paying attention in math class and drawing superheroes that they invented. Like they were like, this is a starfish. It has a huge eye and it can take over people. And they just drew it with the color pencils that they have on their, their notebook, it would look like these characters and it would be great.
0: Mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that, like, I, I don't know how much of it is influenced by, but it really feels like the development in the way that we are starting to CGI characters and scenes, it reminds me a lot of images you'll see from 90s era comics where everyone is really over-designed. That's the era where, like, Whatever, every any character you can think of, uh, even characters where it doesn't fit, like Cyclops, for example, if you look at images during that era, he's got like bandoliers on and he's got like a unitard that also has cutouts over his hips and cargo pants on and combat boots on and there's like at least 16 guns and his hair's going like thirty different directions. Yeah. Uh, and exactly. oh, also every muscle that is possibly conceived of in the human body is like accented and large. <laughs> yeah. And it and that art, it's not exactly like beloved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's not like a like a. I, I at least, in my knowledge, it's not like people are sitting here going like, "Man, miss that era." <laughs> like it <laughs> doesn't a exist we anymore. Zoomed and it's
1: over that hill free? and started going yeah. back to nostalgic times.
0: <laughs> exactly and i really feel like we're in that same period where it's just everything is over designed and we're we're i hope we're kind of getting out of it but i loved that of this movie i thought that was great including when it was disgusting the starfish coming out of its armpit is so gross yeah yes it is <laughs> hated it <laughs> yeah uh i yeah do, we, do you have anything else for what you loved about this movie
1: Man, yeah. I mean, we did we did hint at this, but I think we should stress this more. This is the most unpredictable movie I remember seeing, mm, probably mm-hmm, ever. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are others, but mm-hmm. it's a very short list of this level of unpredictable. Where I'm gonna I'm gonna actually call out the weirdest parallel here. That actually, once you start thinking about it, it's a perfect parallel. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, *Tropic Thunder*. You have no idea what the hell <laughs> is going to happen. Yeah in the next one second but then it's that for two hours straight it was delectably unpredictable I, I love that so much I love that like good old like so you're a kid um, it's a weekend the only thing you have to worry about is homework uh, it's somebody's birthday you go to the movies and you're like man what should we watched and you just want to see something that knocks your socks off like it doesn't have to be good because you don't even like care. You just want to see something that's like, man, I had no idea what was going to happen the whole time, and it was colorful and fun. This is that level of unpredictable, and I think it's a true masterpiece in that sense. I really enjoyed it, and Tropic Thunder is one of my favorite movies of all time, which says many things about me. I hope that you see I'm a more (laughs) dynamic person than just that thing. Um, I sure hope so. (laughs) But this really did it for me with the unpredictability.
0: It really was. It was... It was very unpredictable and I think uh, you know what I think? I'm going to add one layer see if you agree with this. I think what I like is that the plot is unpredictable. The character arcs are satisfying and predictable. Like the character arcs go right where you'd want them to go. They don't end up going like strange, weird upsetting, I don't know maybe Suicide Squad-like places, uh, I really feel like they stay right where you want them to in a way that I, you know, like, like it's... it's And when I mean they're predictable, I don't mean in a bad way. I mean, like, it's just what you would want to see out of it in a way that treats them very... almost kindly, which I know sounds strange, but, like, the, the it really does treat them kindly in a way. So um, I think I like that. I like the plot is unpredictable, but that the characters were were true to who you'd want them to be.
1: 100% you nailed it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. So, that's, that's, I mean, I'm sure there's more things we can love about it. We could probably gush about that for hours, but, let's go to the, the maybe harder part. What's, what didn't quite work? What didn't quite work for us? Um, I'm going to nominate a possibly unpopular opinion at the top. I don't know why harley quinn is in this movie that was me ducking the internet that was me avoiding tomatoes you just
1: yeah you just avoided 400 <laughs> congratulations
0: i don't know why harley quinn's in this movie um margot Robbie is phenomenal uh if anybody who's aware of me uh, knows I like Margot Robbie a lot, and recently completed my Margot Robbie Thon, all that kind of stuff. Like, oh God, recently, what the hell am I saying? That was January of twenty twenty. Margathon. <laughs> that was a.
1: There's so many better was, names right ago. there. Margathon. No, it's the Margot No, oh, it sounds so much better to say Margathon. It's like calling seaspiracy cons- <laughs> calling the movie Seaspiracy when it should have been "Conspiracy" with an S-E-A oh at That's the end. right, Conspiracy. Ooh, I forgot
0: about that. Tuesday. Yeah. Sorry, I, I forgot. I should hire you every time. <laughs> Uh, the point of this being I like Margot Robbie a lot. And I, you know, I, I really do think that she is as Harley Quinn is one of the, uh, kind of seminal, like actor characters in, in the superhero genre. Uh, like certainly up there in my opinion with Christopher Reeves and Hugh Jackman. And I, I you know, uh, she's just intimately tied to that character, even though she's only had two iterations. Um, I don't know why she's in this. I, I, The more that I sat with it, the less I understood what her role in this movie was beyond contract obligation. She's a lot of fun in it. I'm not denying that. And she's still very good, but her role was never clear to me. And more than that, something that Alex actually was the first one who pointed it out, and I, would, I, I will credit her for that because she'll yell at me if I don't. Uh, there's a whole sequence in this movie in which she is it's basically like her part of the movie in which she is invited to the villa by the, the uh, stereotypical sort of generalissimo who has taken over the island and he uh, falls in love with her and proposes to her at least nominally he does right and that whole sequence is very good very funny well shot all good and I couldn't tell you for the life of me what the point of it in the movie is there is no consequence for him dying None.
1: Oh my god, you're right.
0: Uh, She kills him. The other guy takes over. And there's this whole transition sequence in which you see him burn the birds that the other guy owned and he's like, oh, basically, paraphrasing, that guy was soft. Like, I loved him like a brother, but he was soft. Now it'll be under my control. But the outcome of that event has no effect on the movie. Like, in other words... Everything that we saw prior to that event was still in motion after the event occurred and did not seemingly change in any way at all. (laughs) Like, they were already being hunted. They kept being hunted. I I don't know what the difference was. It's not like he suddenly went out and started beating his own people seemingly any more than they already were because that was the whole point of the Freedom Fighters was to say, hey, it's not good. I don't know why it exists. Yeah, it, it, like it, it's like a short film. So here's what I've come. Here's what I've come to. The only thing I can think of is, it's actually a pretty good sequel. <laughs> it's a thematic sequel to Birds, Birds of, Prey of Prey and yeah. to Suicide Squad. I, I get that. If you actually take that sequence of scenes and you put it up against those two movies, you can see a complete arc where at the end of at the end of birds of prey it's not like she has come into full actualization because she hasn't been tempted again but here in this movie we have the final temptation almost like arthurian style like she is once again presented with the thing that we know is what led to her destruction and suicide squad and here she chooses what is best for her and comes into her own and it has nothing to do with the movie (laughs) at all Like, it, it should have been a short film, I guess? I don't know. Like, that was probably my biggest issue with the entire movie. I love her character, and I want to see her in this. And I don't think she detracted, necessarily. I'm just not sure why she was there, ever.
1: Yeah, I think we poetically have the same, then, big main qualm. Again, like you said, not a huge qualm. Just weird. Sticks out as a thing that I'm not sure about. I'm going to add on one more argument to that, actually, and then one little theory, because I completely, completely agree with everything you just said. To support that, I'd say one of the strengths of this movie and movies like this that follow a sort of anything-can-happen, misfit, outcast narrative, especially with the way this movie positioned that right at the beginning, is that anything can happen to all the characters, and you feel in a Game of Thronesy sense that, like, Literally anybody can die. Like, it doesn't matter that it's Idris Elba. He could die. He could just die in the next five minutes and that's it. Um, And that's kind of the thrill, right? Like, you buy into this sort of isolated universe where you're like, anything could happen. But... The thing is, Harley Quinn is kind of the biggest and best thing they have going for them right now. So everywhere yeah. she was, it was kind of a spoiler. You're like, well, nothing's going to happen to those people because Harley, well, not right. those people, but nothing's going to happen to her. You know she's going to live. Exactly. Like if she's yeah. the squad, you're like, it's, it's not a spoiler, but it's kind of like a, it does stick out. She's she's the invincible one, right? And it's it's a little, it's it's very different. She's She is deeply the one invincible one among a bunch of people who are objectively dispensable in a, in this movie. And it kind of, Mm. kind of, it gets you a little, like it grates a little. Um, And the thing is, this is the only reason I can think of for it is that I think in the early days, I guess, if the DCEU, they would have expected, like, brainstorm, what's going to be our Iron Man, like our character that centers this extended universe, like who's the character where it's like, man, when everybody thinks of the late 2010s and early 2020s of the DC movies, who are they going to think of? Probably, like, Batman They were, is probably what they were going for, or Superman. Um, I think it's become Harley Quinn, man. Like, she's become their big, like, it, not that everyone's buying into them. I mean, she's still very much a woman and a character that, like, a ton of people hate for very stupid reasons. But I think they've realized how darn successful she is. And she's going to be very central to a lot of things as long as Margot Robbie is on that contract. And it feels like you right. mentioned that she's in this because she's just central to the universe and nothing else. So, yeah, confusing.
0: Yep. And that's what I mean is, it, it again, it's not to say that I don't think she took away from it. It's just it. it, it I, the one thing I will say is I think this movie does feel a little long and... <laughs> I cannot help but look at the one giant sequence in which it doesn't belong. I just I don't know what else to do with it. Like, sorry, I don't know why it's here. Um, I do have a side theory that I would like to come back to. So I'm going to put a virtual pin in this and ask you to remember that there's a pin here. Uh, So don't forget. I'm putting all the responsibility on you. (laughs) Okay, so that's a qualm. Um, Other qualms. I Okay. I have a generally larger social qualm with this movie. That is not... I don't know if it's this movie's fault, necessarily. It's kind of a genre qualm. I don't know. This is more going to be an open discussion. Uh, this movie, I can definitely understand why you may not want to watch this movie if you are... Especially if you are someone from... Latin America, uh, yep. s- basically just south of Texas for a ways Till you hit penguins, just that whole sequence, I can see where you might not want to watch it because the actual, like, I guess what I'm getting at is this movie, it giveth and it taketh away, <laughs> like, the actual... <laughs> Conceit of the movie is actually quite good and and very. This movie is like virulently anti-American imperialism, and is very clear about that. It's never up for discussion. Like it's not a it's not a, a a hinted at concept, in which it just like the first one. There's the big kind of well not the big twist but kind of the twist, which is what you should expect at this point, which is that they're sent on a mission in order to defeat the evil Latin general who's overtaken things, and then of course you find out a. Maybe the prior situation that the Americans loved wasn't actually all it was cracked up to be, and maybe that guy was also a terror, slash the mission itself changes, and of course you find out that like the actual plan isn't to get rid of the guy or whatever, it's to make sure that the world cannot find out that the Americans are the ones sponsoring the mass kidnapping and torture and experimentation of of folks from this island for, scientific slash military game which is all very true like in other words it's not like it's based in fiction like it's all based in truth uh obviously you know bombastic here but still and again like obviously anti-imperial like i i that's i don't think that can be debated like it's there my issue is this movie also spends two hours just gunning and chopping down brown and black people like fucking wheat. I mean, oh my God, the body count on this movie is high. And it's almost entirely black and brown, folks. In a way that is, you know, like superhero movies have gotten away with it for a long time now because largely what Marvel has figured out is, well, if we just make like a general alien clone thing, we're good like you can you can cut down a million chitauri no one's going to complain because they're alien bug things and even they have basically made all of their villains non sentient which is also kind of brilliant on their part anyone who complains they're like well they don't really think mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like I, you know there's just there's something to be said for that problem i think like it it it's it is a I applaud the general direction they want to take. And I do think it's also worth recognizing that this movie is influenced by, obviously heavily, lots of 1970s and 1980s action movies that take place in jungles full of black and brown people. And and is 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 replicating that to a degree. But it doesn't mean that that's like something we should keep seeing on screen or want to keep seeing on screen. I, and I, I don't know. I don't know if there's any good way to have fixed that in this movie, but it is, I think, worth noting because uh, I can see why you might not want to watch that, uh, particularly if you were someone who is from a place or have family from a place that has suffered under that exact scenario we just depicted. Um, yeah, that's 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 my best way to to address that.
1: Yeah, there's have you have you ever watched the Princess Protection Program? I, I, yes. Oh, God. I swear this is related. This, that yes, wasn't a swear. Yes, yes. Uh, I can't wait. Okay. But yes. So, that's a, for those who don't know, that's a Disney Channel original movie that's uh, Demi Lovato and Selena Gomez, uh, where Demi Lovato plays the princess of a, in sort, of fictional Spanish speaking, vaguely ethnic ish, small Genovia like country, um, and has to and that gets taken over by some kind of violent general, and she and her family have to go into hiding into a literally witness protection program. And it's a small town where Selena Gomez goes to school and lessons are learned and stuff ensues. And it's cute, um, but it was made many years ago. Uh, and it is, you know, a teen movie with not the greatest handle on nuance. But the way that that movie handles like random, uh, vaguely Spanish speaking, uh, violent general, Uh, It's not it's not like that's a huge part of the movie. It's all about small town America and stuff, but it's the kind of the same level of tact that this movie has sometimes. And the whole time I was watching it, I was like, yeah, that's a scene I've seen on the Disney Channel, uh, but it's 2021. So I agree. (laughs) It wasn't the same level of violence, obviously, but I completely agree where in a movie where the body count is that level. But you're, you know, you're not supposed to care because it's a, yeah, ha, ha it's not real, it's right. fantasy. There's a. Large they're they're faceless minions. But like these are like real yeah. people, and like you said, when the whole point of the the underlying symbolism is to connect it to something that's very real, then the debts are very real too. And there's a a scene that's um, yeah. obviously played for laughs, and I will say it's very funny, where a bunch of like refugee camp people get murdered and very brutal ways and at the end the reveal is like they were the good people whoops uh man that actually hurt like that pulled at my heart to a point where i was a little uncomfortable i was like oh i didn't uh,
0: yeah that's what i mean it's 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 well shot it's funny like the whole thing is created very well but they it's like they didn't really recognize the impact of the way they were making the statement they were making Like, that is a satirically very funny statement, that the American black ops show up and they end up gunning down mostly the people that are supposed to be on their side. That's a funny satirical statement. But it's very different when you take such joy out of showing how they're murdered. Yeah. That's like a different vibe. I also think it's worth noting, this movie has a really interesting final three minutes in which the giant... Starfish from outer space, uh, which by the way, I know we've said that a bunch. If you don't know Starro the Conqueror, go look it up. It's awesome. Can't, can't recommend it enough. Delightful. Anyway, when it dies, it like utters a death knell that is one of the more depressing, like existential things I've ever heard from the superhero genre, in which it basically laments that it was perfectly happy with the life it had which involved floating around space looking at the stars. And, like, that's literally its final line before it exhausts from this mortal plane. And it's deeply saddening. Yeah. My issue is, they humanized that more than they did the people they cut down. Yeah. They humanized the starfish. They, like, they they purposefully leave it with saying, hey... We understand why, like we hope you understand why it had to die, but we also want you to understand that it was an organism that had its own desires and dreams, and it
1: was made an it's instrument. It's a sad thing that
0: it's dead now. Yeah. Yep. Versus the scene we're talking about, they're like, "Oh, whoopsies, egg on our face. We killed all the freedom fighters." Boop a doop, boop boop, and then the Monty Python skit moves on to the next scene, like. Well, I, that, that almost bothers me more than any. Like, in other words, if you're going to, you can't, if you're going to not humanize things in the movie, then don't humanize the starfish. Like, you can't. That makes it so much worse to me. Because that means you do recognize that impulse, but you're not applying it to actual human beings. And that's an issue.
1: Yeah, this movie has one of the issues that I have with um, movies of this kind was a completely empty English sentence. It's like writing an essay. Uh, Wherein, (laughs) uh, it's a very specific qualm I have where, uh, if I, so I enjoyed this movie. This was a four star movie to me. But if I run into somebody on the street who also thought that this was a four star movie, I don't know if we both thought it was a four star movie for the same reasons. And that's like a dangerous thing to me. Where I'm like, obviously we won't agree 100% for We Are Strangers. But I don't know if, like, a solid amount of that was the bro parts of this movie. Like, if you thought, like, it's good only because, A, Harley Quinn is hot. Two, Pete Davidson is God. Uh, three, like, I, um, I love violence in any form. Four, I thought it was super funny that a bunch of, like, black and brown people got killed. Like, that refugee scene is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, this is the peak of humor. Like, I can't tell what angle of it might have been the thing you really, really bought into, and I'm a little scared about that. I know that's just how cinema is. Like, you run into Tarantino fans every day, sure. and you have to, like, be like, are you, which kind are you? But um, it's, um, it's like, a big thing for me, where I'm like, I, I gotta make sure that, like, you know that it might have missed
0: the mark on that one. No, I think that's actually a really good way to frame that. I, I want to, like, condense that, at least uh, tell me if, if if I'm misrepresenting what you're saying, but the way that I think... I'm thinking about this. I'm actually glad you brought up Tarantino because it feels very similar. It's, 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 I think the issue is it's like you, um, they're making movies that I don't think I can trust at least the American public with, if that makes sense. Like, in other words, like, I don't believe that you were doing this out of ill intent. At, At the, at the, at the best, it was ignorance. And at the worst, it's malevolent. Yeah. But, in other words, we should be able to take that and understand the intent, and we should be able to critically and thoughtfully understand that these movies can be dichotomous, and you can have both. This can both be a very fun movie that we can recommend, and it can also have harmful depictions of violence against primarily brown and black individuals in in what America has dubbed third world nations in places it has colonized. Like we can, say, we should be able to do both of those at the same time, but. God damn we all know we can't <laughs> like we know that's for sure not the case like that is just not gonna happen so uh, there's something about it that bothers me when filmmakers make movies that in in ways in which you know you can't trust people with that you just know it <laughs> like I, I, I like that you sort of framed it that way of I, I don't know if I trust people who say they like it I I, I need like I need some uh uh some asterisks. <laughs> Yeah. Like, cite your sources. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how else to to to, to frame that, but it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's uh, your mileage is going to vary on it. For me personally, uh, I think, I don't even want to say what helps, but I think part of it for me is I, A, I can ignore it because I have the privilege to not be from one of those places like it's it's not i uh, i don't have any personal connection to that and therefore it is far simpler for me to ignore it um even though that's not necessarily a good thing but i i just don't have an immediate personal connection to it i think the larger thing here though is like i'm i've been very inundated by that obviously just through all of hollywood like that is always you know john wick gets the same complaint by the way like same thing uh especially movies two and three just cuts his way through swaths of people. Um, But my point is like, because of that, I I think it's like, I didn't even notice it at first. It took me a bit to be like, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) Didn't, didn't we lose like 500 people in that scene? Uh, Yeah. So I, I think it's one of those things that I just encourage you if you're watching it or any movies like this, if you've never thought about it, like I guess what I'm encouraging you to do is a, be conscious of it as you're watching it, and be, be be sensitive to how you're recommending movies to people. That's, like, the best thing I can say for this. I don't know if it really matters for individual viewing. I think what matters is, like, how you are presenting it and recommending it. I, I, I wouldn't recommend it uh, without sort of putting that warning to folks uh, who may be particularly affected by it.
1: You said it perfectly.
0: Um, I only have one other thing to talk about with this movie. Here we go. Mine's. It's sort of a question that I have for you. This is the pin, by the way. This is the pin in the 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 the, the corkboard. I think I have a theory as to why Harley Quinn is in this movie, to a degree, but it's a larger issue, and I I can't decide whether or not it's a problem. That's what I'm. That's the context I'm going to give you leading in. Uh, did they just remake Suicide Squad? And did they remake it in kind of the not okay way where you just kind of cast the same black guy and hope nobody notices? (laughs) That's what I'm gonna put forward. My the first time this clicked in for me was when they had when you're introduced to John Cena and Idris Elba's walking with Amanda Waller, and they go to John Cena, and honestly, one of the funniest jokes in the entire movie. Loved it in which she says, this is Peacemaker. He was raised by an abusive father, and now he can turn anything into a weapon, and it's what he does best. And, like, anybody who watches it, like, literally four minutes earlier, she had just said those exact words, word for word to describe each And he's a, understandably like, hey, wait a minute. Didn't you, like, that's exactly what I did. And it's a very funny bit. Really well done. However, at the insistence of that scene, it like it, 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 I like Jimmy Neutron brain blasted, and I was like, Hey, wait a minute, isn't that Deadshot's story too? And then what really did it was, Wait a minute, in this movie, isn't the only introduction we have to blood, blood sports humanity that his daughter shows up? His daughter, who is like maybe going down that path, and my, Amanda Waller's basically holding her hostage as a way to get him to do those things and he's like trying to figure out if he can be a dad in this. And isn't that the exact same plot with Deadshot? His daughter gets taken away and she basically tells it there's like that whole thing where she threatens that she, his her mom will have custody forever and he's and he like gets mad at her on the phone. Fo- it's like a whole thing. And his whole thing is that he can shoot anything and he's amazing at it and then him and harley end up kind of having this like understanding friendship at the end of the movie and also he ends up being kind of like a fatherly figure sort of like a, like a little bit of like the investment figure in the character who's having the m- most problems with their their uh, uh emotional growth in the movie in this case enchantress like am i losing it or did they just bloodsport is just dead shot
1: I'm absorbing this in real time because I'm going to be so honest. I, s- I just haven't seen Suicide Squad since the first time I saw it, which was on a plane and I don't remember anything. But now that you're saying I, it, it's I kind of want back. you to
0: go watch it to see if I'm not, if I'm not, I mean, I'm going to rewatch it for sure. Cause I make bad decisions and I really want to know, like what I can't figure out is what is it satirical? Like, are they making fun of it or did they legit just redo it? In other words, what I'm more getting at is, was the original plan to re, to bring Will Smith back? Because, let, like, let's go down the roster here a little bit. Obviously, some of those people are going to come in and they're going to be new. Like, I'm not, that's all good. But we've also got King Shark, who is, like, the big, silly, stupid guy who they end up having, like, a little conversation with. And one of the characters uh, becomes very friendly toward and emotional toward, which is exactly what happens with Killer Croc. Literally the same thing. This movie also features the same bar scene where they end up sitting down, kinda before they know that the the impending doom is about to begin, and they kind of have to talk themselves through it and into it. Um, I'm talking. Okay, I, I, the, the, the conspiracy goes deep. The conspiracy goes deep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like utterly convinced of this. This is more having to do with what American tropes are. I think Michael Rooker is supposed to be playing a character who you're supposed to code as indigenous American. I think. The only reason I say that is the super long white hair is a very common American trope for indigenous folks in America. Like it's a, it's a well-worn trope at this point. It's not like they talk about it. I'm not saying that they mention that at all or anything like that. So I'm willing to just let that go for a second. But what I'm not willing to let go is the only character in this entire movie who you see's head is exploded by Amanda Waller is Michael Rooker's character. In the first Suicide Squad movie, the first person you see's head exploded is the indigenous American character. Oh my god who looks just like he has the same general hair. Like, I'm not saying it's exactly the same hair stylings, but they have the same tropes being coded. There's something going on here, man. <laughs> like, that's what I'm getting at is like, I, I'm not, it's like the movie's gaslighting me. <laughs> I can't figure out whether or not it's a satire, whether or not it's racism or whether or not what happened was they had a script and they said, gun, you can do what you want with it, but here's the facts, buddy. We've already got this. You have to keep this. And he said, well, we can't bring Will Smith back because this movie needs to be made for like 20 million less dollars. So can't bring Will Smith back. So uh, let's go get Idris Elba instead and we'll just make it work. And then also we won't do the crocodile. We'll do a shark. And also uh, we'll have Ratcatcher be the Harley. You know what I mean? Like it's there. They even have, oh, I forgot. They even have the the, the the traitor. Like the whole point is that Enchantress obviously ends up being the actual villain and turns on the team and they have to go get her and all that good stuff and Harley ends up being the traitor because she's actually serving info back to the Joker and then she comes around, right? Peacemaker ends up being the traitor. It's not all exact one-to-one, but I'm just saying all the story beats are there in a way that makes me very suspicious. Um, I don't really have anywhere I'm going with this. I'm just really working through it. Right now, the podcast, all you listening, you're just uh, my therapist in this moment. I'm just really working through what has been in my head since Friday.
1: <laughs> so you know how the movie 2012 is something that I watch as often as you watch Suicide Squad? Yeah, um, of course. So you know Woody Harrelson's character who's just like in his RV yeah. hosting a podcast yelling about climate change and how the world's going to end and everyone's yeah. like, The neutrinos. Okay, sure. Yeah, and like like 10 people are like, this dude's got a point. That's you, and I'm for sure one of the people who are like that. Dude's got a point. Somebody should listen to him.
0: <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I'm I'm Woody Harrelson. I'm the dude. Okay, and Idris Elba, Will Smith, is my neutrinos.
1: <laughs> there it is. I if like that, this. A if lot. that if that I pleases you, yes. <laughs> if that pleases
0: you, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I have to say about Suicide Squad. I guess I'm out. <laughs> Mic drop.
1: Incredible stuff. Um I just want to say that a little peanut gallery sprinkle as a, this is such a painful phrase to continue to utter, but I don't think I've rid my personality of this as a doctor who fan.
0: Oh yeah. We didn't talk about Capaldi at all.
1: There's more than that, man. He's so he's in this movie. He's the one, he's like the MacGuffin antagonist. Like the, like, you know, he's one of, there's different levels of villain in this movie. Obviously there's traitor villain, real villains, symbolic villain, uh, uh, end of the day, uh, philosophical statement done, political relations villain. And then there's Peter Capaldi, who's like, if you looked at the cast list, he'd be like, villain, you know? Um, and he, he he's nuts. I don't know what the thinker is. Again, I don't know anything about the background of these characters, but I loved his weird head thing going on. Um, anyway, there's a lot in this movie that is super Doctor Who-y in the ways that I liked. Um, there's this... Um, uh, so first of all, there's Peter Capaldi, who is, uh, he's doing like a, honestly, Viola Davis level of like, understood the assignment, went nuts, which I enjoyed a lot. Uh, but he always does that. He's again, he, he always gives it his all. And I think the ultimate proof of that is taking the role of Dr. Who. So yeah, we knew he could do it, but it was really fun. I, I hope he got a good paycheck out of that. Um, but also in Dr. Who, there's the entire concept of the Ood Which are like these like squid looking creatures that um, literally cover your face and then take over. And you kind of speak in this like sort of choral voice to say that you are speaking for the mega brain of the creature and you now have lost all free will. But it's sort of a kindness Anyway, that's basically the starfish thingy, um, which is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are two completely independent sources. There's no copying going on here, but I deeply enjoyed it. Um, uh, and oh, and, and when uh, Starro dies and does the, you know, the deeply resonant final line, that's how like every character who dies in Doctor Who is. It's kind of like the whole episode is like this like crazy adventure. Yeah. And then right at the end, they'll say like, all I wanted was to lie among the stars. And then the doctor came into my life and like, now my entire life is ruined and I've seen 45 timelines and I've aged 10 times and had a baby four times and lost the love of my life and forgotten everything, but it's fine. And then they die and you're like, man, that was really sad and then it's another like crazy adventure episode and you just have to forget about it. This isn't really going anywhere it's just this is a treat for Doctor Who fans, I think it's fun.
0: <laughs> I like it. Well, I mean it's it's I mean it's possible that it's influenced by it, right? I mean, why, why put Capaldi in this, you know? I mean, I'm not saying he's not a great actor, but like, I could, I, I, okay, as the, un, I'm the uninitiated, uh, uninitiated, so you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but as an American, if you were going to tell me, without me knowing about comics, if you were going to tell me, hey, what franchise do you think a giant telepathic floating space starfish belongs to? I would say Doctor Who.
1: They do have a giant floating whale.
0: My, I, that's my point. My point is, I can see where maybe it would be influenced by it because, frankly, it's pretty weird space starfish, and I feel like that fits Doctor Who's bag pretty well. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think that's that's probably the extent of my thoughts on Suicide Squad. Uh, sorry, the Suicide Squad. Uh, very important there. Uh, uh let's play a game. Let's do it. I have in front of me a list of names of characters that have been in the Suicide Squad, and I would like you to tell me as I say these names. I would like you to tell me if this is real or if I have made it up. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're gonna start nice and easy. We're gonna kind of <laughs> we're gonna kind of ease you into it, right? We got to set a baseline. All right. So let's start easy. Uh, Deadshot, by the way, this is comics, not movies Deadshot
1: uh, Yes, that is a Suicide Squad okay. member Okay, great,
0: excellent uh, Enchantress
1: Yes, Cara Delevingne, yes
0: Yeah, okay, great Baby Dino
1: No, that's not real
0: uh, Wrong, Suicide Squad <laughs> Ooh. Um, Cave Boy
1: uh, sounds like a Flintstone. No.
0: Wrong. Suicide Squad. Oh, God. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, uh, I'll give you some freebies. These are characters I didn't know were on the su- Suicide Squad at some point. Apparently the penguin was. Like.
1: That's a character? Like a uh,
0: cobble pot. Yeah, yeah. He was apparently on the Suicide Squad at some point. Who knew? Um, all right. So, here we go. Let's get some other ones. Um, uh, uh Count Vertigo.
1: Ooh, that's that's that sounds like it's it sounds like it would be on the boys. uh, d- uh No, you made it up.
0: Nope, Suicide Squad. Okay.
1: <laughs> Every listener is like, does she uh, not get the game at this point?
0: <laughs> <laughs> does she not get the game? Uh, let's see. Yeah, th- there's some really really great ones here. Uh brother, power, the geek. I ca-
1: I cannot I cannot believe that that passed. The first stage of whatever getting into a comic is unbelievable.
0: You are correct. That character is not in a Suicide Squad. It is a DC character though. Oh. <laughs> oh. They are just not in the Suicide Squad. Um Big Bertha.
1: That that sounds like a a character that would get bullied on Recess the TV show. Uh yeah, yeah, sure. It was in that was in the Suicide Squad.
0: It is not in the Suicide Squad, so that was a, that was a little bit of trickery there. That was a Marvel character for you, um, yeah. Uh, really, more than anything, uh, you're doing great. By the way, more than anything, this is really just to showcase how absolutely buck wild the like F and G list of characters in DC is. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and just name you some other ones, just so you can even get a just a little taste of this um how about Frobish? um that's a good one i think um you know some of these are normal bronze tiger blockbuster those are pretty famous ones black orchids a pretty famous one those sound good um but again then you get to some really truly baffling ones uh like a guy whose just name is punch just punch
1: does he <laughs> even try dare i ask punch people
0: I don't know, but I really like it. I really like the idea here. Major Disaster.
1: Incredible. Oh, that's great. That's a great <laughs> Halloween costume.
0: I like that one a lot. Um, Larva Knot. Uh, Reactron. <laughs> um, uh, 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 man, there's so many. Julie? Julie. Julie. J E W E L E E. Julie. <laughs> I actually like Julie a lot. I hope she shows up in and Suicide Squad, which is I assume the name of the next one. Um
1: ampersand.
0: Anyway, good good game, good effort. Uh, uh good effort. Uh, uh yeah. Well done. Well done.
1: Thank thank you. Am I crowding moment? Hope you had a good so time playing
0: along at home, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Uh Yeah, anyway, that this has been our episode on The Suicide Squad. Uh, you got anything, uh, final things to finish this out with here, Shalila?
1: Yeah. You want to hear a joke, Eric?
0: I do. Hit me.
1: So, what do you call Harley Quinn at the end of the movie jumping off a building in beautiful fashion with a giant spear slash javelin and stabbing the middle of a gigantic eye and thus killing the big villain of the movie? Because I'd call it aqueous humor
0: aqueous humor
1: jesus christ everyone needs to be a biology major (laughs) to understand this i don't know i don't understand
0: the joke did you not is that an eyeball did everybody not eyeballs
1: bio you know you know the inside of your eyeball right yeah i I haven't really cracked up my own eyeball
0: eyeball. recently but i believe you
1: i don't i don't know where to go with this it's a golden joke and somebody out there is a free is
0: aqueous a pun
1: uh, so you know how she jumps into the eyeball and she's like floating around in like, you know, yep. a very beautiful yep. looking swimming pool of water.
0: For sure. Um,
1: this joke went by its sell by date, like a second after I said it. And now it's getting like, it's like, it's like Wolverine's claws are in my heart. So I'm just going to cut it off here, actually.
0: I loved this. I thought this was great. I don't understand it, but I like it. Um, you guys should
1: all look up aqueous and vitreous humor. It's going to blow your mind. Our eyeballs are not empty.
0: And a vitreous humor. Oh, man. Anyway. Yeah, I thought they were just uh, goop. I thought they were just like They are yellow. goop, but
1: that goop has a name, and I said it 10 <laughs> minutes ago.
0: I loved this. I We should add this as a regular bit. I want you to do a joke at the end of every episode about the movie we watched, and then I hope to God that I understand it. I'll I'll see like if I like this. This will be a good
1: for recurring
0: video. bit. I really like this. Well, if you want to hear more excellent bits like this, really well, you know, excellent tete-a-tete, Eric understanding Shalila's advanced humor involving eyeballs and possibly Aquarius. I don't know the pun. I think there was a pun. I just don't know what it is. Uh, you can uh, uh, catch us on any platform that carries podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, others probably uh you can get them all uh and we'll be there um which would be super helpful for you to download and listen to you know it would also be helpful if you left a rating if you felt like this if you felt like that was a five star joke a five retina joke i'm trying to make eyeball jokes too but i don't know enough about them uh you can uh go ahead and leave a five star review on apple Podcasts. that'd be pretty helpful because that would help people find us. Um, you could also tell your friends. That's like free. You don't have to do anything. You can just text them and say, hey, do you like eyeball-related humor and also critical analyses of movies with articles in the beginning of their name? Then I have a podcast for you. Uh, that'd be great. I guess not the most helpful. That That's like a value judgment. I don't want to say the most helpful. But the most direct way that you could support us... Patreon.com slash A Y S W, you could go there and support our Patreon. We have I don't think we have tiers because I've been pretty bad about setting that up, but you could just do it, I guess. <laughs> There's you could support us there. Um where I I'm trying to do more stuff with it here soon. Uh now that I kind of have like a sense of life. Um I'm gonna show any more stuff with it, but you could go support us so we can keep making this podcast because we don't have any ads. I bet you've noticed that we have no ads. You've not heard about Blue Apron once. I know that was tautological what just happened there, but that's okay. Um uh, uh, uh but that's because we don't run ads i think partly because we don't know how but also partly because we don't want to <laughs> you take your pick as to which one is the right answer uh choose your own adventure so you could go to patreon.com such aysw and support us there you could also go to twitter twitter.com it's not really twitter.com i don't think you could like i don't know the web address it doesn't really matter you could go to at AYSWpod on twitter and that's where you could find us we've updated it super regularly (laughs) very recently (laughs) super super recently you'll be able to find the most up-to-date tweets on our podcast um what's your over under what's your over under on the last time we tweeted from there oh this will be a fun game this will be a fun game okay a y s w (laughs) wait a y s w pod. let's see all right you're guessing last what what time last year what month last year
1: Oh no 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 I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it was two months ago, uh the fifth the fifteenth
0: of June? Okay, great. I'm gonna sure. say November of twenty twenty. Uh oh. Ugh, silly me. I was way wrong. You were far closer to being right. Our last tweet was on March twenty second, twenty twenty one. We didn't even tweet. We just retweeted <laughs> the wonderful Jordan Tilly. Uh, Jordan, we love who- you tweeted about how uh uh she guessed in our pod um wait other people tweeted about us man this is the kind of exciting thing that you can see if you go to uh at aysw pod on twitter somebody named angel Ramos. wait a minute angel ramos that's my uncle
1: it sure is <laughs> hey eric wait what do you think has been doing all the retweeting because it wasn't you <laughs> wait a minute
0: I didn't know this. Hey, Angel, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm super sorry. I don't check our Twitter. Shalila owned our Twitter, and then I forgot to check it always. Um, uh, 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 So that's my bad. But uh, that's great. He also found Mythomania. Oh, man. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. I'm so glad that my uncle, who went to Harvard... And is like a super important person that does things that are more important than what I do, was spending his time looking up Mythomania, the children's book series for our podcast back in January.
1: Okay, so to all our listeners, I think Eric is going off the rails. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna reel this back in. Um, thank you for listening to our podcast. Please do find us in all of those mediums. Contact us on Twitter. We really do love to hear everything you think. And if you appreciate the lens that we bring to film analysis, and if you wanna be one of our pupils in supporting that and if you want to hear jokes at our little cornea <gasps> next time then uh, we've got Damn, something for you, you. um but thank you very much for listening to this we are super super uh, curious oh to hear what God. you thought of the movie uh so hit us up on any of those platforms your support is so appreciated and we hope you have a wonderful week ahead and we will catch you next time
0: you have those eye jokes locked in the load and good night everybody